sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. And I'm PJ Doran. And this week we have our guest, Corey West. Pit Pass Moto is brought to you by Moto America. And boy, are they an amazing, an amazing company who puts out the best form of product we know, that being motorcycle racing. This past weekend we saw... The fruits of all the labor that are Moto America, we saw some incredibly good season-ending races in all classes, super bike, super sport, and the king of the baggers, the one-off event this year. They're talking about bringing back in earnest next year as perhaps a three-race series, Dave, which I am telling you I would love to see. The racing was fantastic. We'll talk more about it later. Moto America really does bring you what you want. If you're a motorcycle racing fan, they make it so easy for you to go to the races, watch the races live, get online, watch on Moto America Live Plus, FS2, Fox Sports, Mav TV, you name it, they've got it. So please avail yourself of the opportunity. This offseason, you can go back and watch stuff if you go out to Moto America Live Plus. They are kind enough to archive all their coverage. This weekend's action in road racing, we saw the MotoGP from Aragon, the second round at that facility. Franco Morbidelli comes out on top over Alex Rins and Joan Mir. An amazing race. No Rossi in the race, sadly. As we know, he is uh, self-quarantining from COVID. Alex Marquez, sadly, went down in the race. That's worthy of note as well. He was certainly on for a podium finish no telling where he might have ended up but sadly he let the bike get away from him overall points in moto gp then after the weekend's racing we see joan mir on 137 points fabio corderaro sitting second on 123 maverick vinales who did not finish this past weekend 118 in third place giving away a few points franco morbidelli race winner now in complete contention on 112 points andrea dovizioso on 109 he finished a bit further back but did add some points and alex rins sitting in sixth place on 105 that is the top six in with a shout for the title, covered by a total of 32 points with three, I believe, races to go. It's still anybody's race, so MotoGP is not failing to deliver a very historic season that's going to go down to the wire. Moto America, as we discussed in our open, superbike racing cam Bobier does the triple. There were three superbike races, and he went out with a bang on the season, announcing to the world, I am the dominant racer when I'm on the track. He didn't win by a little. He won by a lot. Congratulations to Cam. Way to finish a season strong. And just show everybody you are the man to be dealt with. In race one, Tony Elias came uh, second. 
ahead of uh, Zanetti. Race two, more of the same. Cam on top, then Zanetti, then Elias. Race three, Cam again, Elias, Zanetti again. Those three proponents covered the podium for the weekend. It was uh, some really good racing, fun to watch, and just awesome to watch Cam celebrate his news of heading overseas going to moto two we wish him the best of luck he is exactly who we'd want representing us as a uh, american force in racing super sport racing on the weekend saw sean dylan kelly do the double in super sport they had two races he won them both race one saw brandon pash and Corey ventura finish out the podium race two title winner richie escalante and jd beach finished out the podium Super stock, more of the same. Cam Peterson, the already determined title holder of the stock 1000 class, came out on top of Corey Alexander and Danilo Lewis. It was a great race in the twins class. Rocco Landers, the man with two titles, wins again over Doyle and Caleb DeCarroll, king of the baggers, the race that we all loved watching. Tyler O'Hara goes off track and still manages to bring it home ahead of Hayden Gillum and Frankie Garcia. Great race. What'd you think, Dave? Oh, I loved it. It was just, uh, it was great to see Tyler just get into trouble and still finish strong. I mean, he just was on fire on that Indian. I, I just couldn't believe how quick he was getting around the track. Yep, it was fun to watch. Those guys are consummate professionals backing in 650-plus pound motorcycles like they were uh, flat tracking. was impressive to watch. Yes, it was. It was uh, the drifting, I think, was the, was the most amazing thing I didn't expect to see. You know, see those guys drift both wheels into a corner. It was it was killer. I, I think the event definitely caught a lot of people's eyes, and it's going to be great next year when they do three rounds. Yep, we can hope for that. Those guys definitely uh, just put on display their actual talents. It's easy comparatively to ride a purpose-built race bike designed for the purpose at hand. Getting on one of those things, totally different ball game. They look like they were actually having fun doing it, too. I thought the uh, post-race wheelie action was probably more than you typically see, right? Yeah, it was. It definitely was. Those bikes are uh, huge and, yeah, fun to watch. Look forward to seeing it again. Chalk it up to uh, Moto America for coming up with that with drag specialties, and you could tell the guys were just having a blast. That's what racing's all about. So in off-road racing, we have results from the MXGP last round in Lommel, Belgium. Your podium in the MXGP class, Tim Geyser, has just been on fire. He went 1-1. He didn't do it the easy way. He had to work his way up there. Second place on the podium, Romain Favre with a 2-2, followed by Jeremy Sewer with a 4-3 for third overall. Now, that was some of the news in the 450 class. The big news was Jorge Prado came down with COVID and had to uh, basically quarantine himself and didn't get to compete. He's been a perennial front runner in that class. So to not see him out there was disappointing, but we hope he gets healthy again. Also, uh, title contender, Tony Cairoli just had a not a great day in the in the sand in Belgium. It was a little bit wet, so uh, he finished fifth overall with a 310. So struggled a little bit, so it didn't help his point standings. Uh, really, Geyser just continues to lead with 583 points, followed by Kai Rowley, who's 74 back, and then Jeremy Sewer, who's 84 points back. So you kind of got a battle going for second in MXGP with three rounds remaining. In MX2, Ben Watson comes out and wins his first overall with a 1-4. Actually, I think his first moto win of the year, followed by Rowan Van de Moostijk uh, with a 6-1, and actually his first win of a moto in MX2 racing. And third, Maxime Renault, who finished third with a 2-5. So the big news there is Tom Vial, the points leader, really didn't have a great day in the, in the wet sand. He finished sixth with a 3-6. Six. 
and Yago Geertz just struggled all day. He went off track several times, crashed two or three times, finished ninth with a 13-7. So your MX2 standings, Tom Vial continues to lead with 651 points, followed by the Belgian Yago Geertz, 74 points back, and Maxime Renault back in third place. He's down 175 points. So that's your MXGP racing. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, name the first motorcyclist to hold the outright land speed record. Name the rider and the year. We'll be back with that answer after we talk to our next guest, Corey West, Moto America racer. We'd like to welcome back to Pit Pass today, wonderful Moto America racer, super fast dude, Corey West. Welcome back to the show. We're looking forward to talking to you about your past weekend of racing and what else is going on in your world. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me back on the show. Yeah, it's been too long, it seems like. Corey, what what have you been up to since we last spoke before this? uh, We're going to talk about your race this weekend, and quite a race it was. Did you have a good time this weekend? Yeah, this weekend was good. I haven't really done a whole lot of racing since the 2018 season. I live in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and I've kind of been trying to focus on my, my business. I've got a I do guided dual sport rides, and uh, I also rent motorcycles. My little business is called Froggy's Moto Tours. So I just kind of take people on dirt bike rides here in Northwest Arkansas in the Ozark Mountains. And has that been blowing up? Because I will tell you, my personal experience here in the Midwest, in Iowa, is that I have a lot of friends who go dirt biking and are doing exactly the thing that you are offering. They're traveling around the U.S. because they can't do anything else, take their dirt bikes and go ride off-road. Has your business just been booming? It's steadily growing. You know, I'm, I'm just a one-man band, so I, I'm almost happy that it's growing slowly because I don't know what I would do if I... <laughs> If it was going crazy right now, some big news for my business. I've just become a destination Yamaha rental location. So I got rid of all my original motorcycles and now I have some sweet new Yamahas. So um, something new for people to to come down and ride and got new fresh motorcycles. So yeah, I see my business growing, but uh, I'm just kind of taking it one step at a time. So that's interesting, Corey, that, that you're doing the rental for Yamaha. It sounds real similar to what Jason Rains does, which is the, you know, test our motorcycles and tell us what you think. Are you does it turn into hopefully a sale for Yamaha in the end? Yeah, I mean it's it's part of the deal where, you know, my website has a direct link to the Yamaha website and this is an opportunity for people to come ride a brand new Yamaha motorcycle. I have XT two fifties, WR two fifties, and I also have one of the new Tanneray seven hundreds. So getting a lot of interest in those bikes and you come ride one of mine and hopefully that turns into some sales for the Yamaha guys. XT250, a vastly underrated bike if you ask me. I love riding them. They're everywhere. They're bulletproof. Clearly, you're a fast guy, Corey. Are you able to do everything uh, off-road you want on an XT with uh, the people that are contracting you to get a cruise around your neighborhood? Yeah, I mean, the little XTs are 
are a pretty capable machine, you know. The tours that I do, it's it's not like super hard Erzberg rodeo or something. <laughs> Arkansas has twice as many dirt roads as we do paved roads. So if you have local knowledge, you know how to get around and navigate and and I can take people all all around to see all the scenic stuff here in Northwest Arkansas. And for our listeners who don't know, give them the quick bio on Corey, because it's an impressive story. You've been all over the place, done everything, it seems. Yeah. So my family, I'm a fourth generation motorcycle racer. I've got AMA Hall of Famers as a great uncle. My dad used to race superbikes and Battle of Twins in the 80s. And then I kind of grew up racing some flat track stuff. And then as soon as I turned 16, we started chasing the AMA Pro Road Racing Championship. I rode TZ250s and then 600s and then Superbikes. 2004, I was the AMA Superbike Rookie of the Year. And then just kind of bounced around, rode for some big teams. And uh, unfortunately, I was kind of a racer of the recession and had to... uh, you know, make my money the hard way, but um, I had a lot of cool experiences. I got to race Eric Buell's superbikes. I raced in China. I've raced in England. I've raced in Spain. I've, I've kind of been everywhere and done a little bit of everything. One of my favorite parts of your story, being a fan of yours from the beginning, how did the job at EBR come up or at Eric Buell's uh, Skunk Works, if you will? I mean, working for that guy had to have been a hoot. He's an amazing engineer with an incredible vision who really put some effort into motorcycles. Yeah, I got to ride just a one-off deal in 2009 when it was still Buell. He built the 1125RR Superbike. I got to be the lucky one. Well, me and Taylor Knapp both raced at New Jersey Motorsports Park for the last race of the year of the AMA season. Did pretty good on the thing, qualified second row, got like a seventh and an eighth on it. So I was thinking, all right, I finally made it. I'm going to have me a sweet superbike ride. And then Harley shut Buell down. So that kind of put a real hamper in his deal. So uh, a couple years later, Eric gets EBR going. I had kind of run my course through the 600 Supersport stuff and was kind of just looking for a job. So I asked Eric if he could put me to work. And he said, come on up. We could use someone and customer service. And I kind of ended up just being the shipping guy for a little while helping out with their online parts store. The race team is actually in the shop, you know, inside the whole warehouse that was the engineering and all that stuff department. And so one of the race guys came back, asked me if I'd be interested in coming down and doing some testing with them. They were headed to Homestead uh, in December and just come down. We built another bike. We need some help trying some braking stuff. And so I got the invite. We go to Homestead. Their last race of the day at Homestead is like the shootout, pays 500 bucks to win, and their damn shipping guy won the shootout. So <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty cool deal, and I ended up two years of getting to race the EBR 1190 Superbikes. So this business of yours, that's, that's amazing, and congrats on the involvement from Yamaha. That's uh, no mean feat. You actually get to go out and ride. Is it pretty fun? I mean, are you, are you stoked with the clientele that you are developing? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I also instruct at Colin Edwards Texas Tornado Boot Camp down in Texas. And so that's really cool because I get to meet every camp. I get to meet, you know, like 30 new people. The connections that I've made at the boot camp have definitely helped me bring riders up to Arkansas. You know, Texas and Arkansas are pretty close. And then um, all the time, you know, Colin's got Yamaha corporate guys or 
Bridgestone corporate guys or, you know, just sponsors of the camp coming in. And that's kind of how I got my deal with the Yamaha guys, just just meeting Yamaha corporate dudes. And it's not what you know, it's who you know. I was just thinking it'd been, a, what, a couple, two, three years ago, you and Tony and I were talking about this business. And it was clearly you had it well sorted what you wanted to do with it but you were kind of in its infancy, it seemed like, and it's it's clearly blossoming into exactly what you'd hoped it would. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it all started with a bunch of bikes that I bought off of Craigslist, and and now I'm, you know, I got a bunch of brand new electric start Yamahas, and more and more people are starting to, to find out about it, and it's kind of a good time. You know, I, all of my local dealers are having a hard time keeping motorcycles on the showroom floor, so if you can't go out and buy one for yourself, you can cruise on over to my place and rent one for the day yeah that's got to hold a huge appeal it just seems like uh, you know the way the world's going currently which we all have to deal with being able to go and do something adventurous and fun with cool people is a luxury that everyone now has to appreciate as much as humanly possible because god knows when it might not be the case that you can do it right absolutely and you know the fact that i'm also a a guide, you know, that, that takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. You know, some people are interested in the sport, but might be a little bit intimidated in the fact that, well, I get this bike and then where do I go? You know, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't know how to get to these places. And I just take the guesswork out of all of it. You know, here's the motorcycle. Here's, here's your nice new Arai. Follow me. I'll show you the cool stuff. How do you like your time at the, you said you get to instruct at the boot camp, Collins place. That place is amazing. I've interviewed him a number of times about the camp. And then I see, of course, I follow it hugely online. Uh, everything that goes on there is race series. Are you doing all that kind of stuff too? Going down for his uh, shootouts and whatnot? Yeah. So this whole month has been racing for me and I haven't really gotten to race all year. So the very first event that I did this month was the Mad Dog National down at Texas Tornado Boot Camp. So I built myself a little Mad Dog over the winter last year, and this was the first time that I got to compete on it for the Mad Dog National. I went down earlier in the year and did a race in February before all this crazy stuff happened. Went down there, had to battle his son for the win, which little Hayes is getting super fast. But yeah, that was fun. Went down there. I won the Mad Dog National event. And then from there, I drove to Daytona with my girlfriend's motorcycle. Me and her competed in the Azra CCS team challenge together. We won the team challenge, which was the first time a couple has won the overall endurance race on a 1000cc machine at Daytona. So made a little history with my girlfriend the weekend after the Mad Dog National. And then from Daytona, I hauled butt home, unloaded the van, and then caught a plane the next morning and flew out to California for this crazy weekend at Laguna. Well, let's talk about it, man. Now that we're, you brought it up so conveniently, how did uh, how'd your racing go? It was cool. Didn't really know what to expect. It was awesome to be a part of the very first King of the Baggers event. Drag Specialties put on a really cool event where there was probably 12 different teams that built these super custom Harley-Davidson or Indian baggers. And we went out there and raced them. <laughs> it, was, it was wild, but I had a good time. Nobody got hurt. 
that was what I was looking for. It was awesome watching you guys. Uh, I've, I followed every practice session and it was, it was cool watching all you guys get up to speed and the, the race was really cool. Are you going to do it again? That's the big question. Cause clearly there, there's rumors that it could be developed into a three race series potentially next year. We're all hopeful cause it was cool to watch. Yeah, they kind of threw that out at the writers' meeting that there's a potential that this might be a three-round championship for next year. The coolest thing was, after the race, they put the highlights up on YouTube. The bagger race had 1.2 million views in a day. And then right below that was the superbike race that had 4.4 thousand views in a day. So <laughs> I think there's some interest for that class. So I think that um, tells the story yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's just it's just another way that people can relate. You know, I think thousand cc sport bikes have gotten to a point where not everyone can afford them, and it's just getting harder and harder to relate to those motorcycles where. I feel like everyone knows what a bagger is and a lot of people have them and there's all these companies making performance parts for them now and, and shoot, why not go racing? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I work at a dealership, a multi-line dealership, Corey, and, uh, I have, of course, the Moto America Live Plus Pass, so I was watching everything live on my computer at work, and I had the sales department was just enthralled. They're like, holy cow, this is actually real. I'm like, yep, it's happening right now. I mean, they were absolutely stoked. They'd never would have even thought that something, you know, they're not a moto nerd like me. They don't know everything that's happening in the world, but when I showed it to them, they all were beginning to understand what, you know, I need to buy a Moto America Live Pass. Yeah, I think I would imagine Moto America got quite a few more people buying the the Live Plus app just to watch that King of the Baggers event. So, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. You know, I didn't know what to think. I think a lot of people thought it was just a big joke at first. And I'm not a Harley guy. I've never even really ridden a Harley before. So my main concern was like, is this thing going to blow up? Is it going to leak oil all over the place? You know, <laughs> how's it going to go around a corner? Is it going to drag everything? Like, this isn't going to be fun at all. And then, you know, I rode the thing around at the uh, Saddleman shop in Southern California. First off, Sly, Sly Fox Performance are the guys that put me on their bagger for the weekend. He had some help with uh, Saddleman racing down in uh, SoCal, having the bike built there at their shop. And so, um, uh, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to go test it at the racetrack, but I kind of rode it up and down the street a little bit. As soon as I came back, I was like, man, this thing is fast. Like, <laughs> this is no joke. This thing is actually really quick. So it was cool. You know, I didn't know what to think, but the bike held together all weekend. We didn't really have any issues as far as the the motor or the power plant goes, but um, all kinds of different issues to deal with on the racetrack. You know, we had some some braking problems and just some some weird little things suspension wise to try to sort out but the whole bagger paddock was fighting their own problems throughout the two days that we were there i mean every i don't think anyone just had a smooth go at it except for maybe the indians that whole community just the way they all come together if some guy has a problem there's other people from other teams over there trying to help them solve it. You know, everyone wanted to make sure that all the bikes were on the grid. So it's a really cool community. I left with a bunch of new friends and hopefully we'll get to do it again next year. Corey, you hit on a couple things there when you talked about speed and horsepower. You said it was pretty darn fast, but 
come on, man, that's a big, heavy motorcycle. And I saw you guys drifting it around the track. What was that like? How did that thing handle as far as what your expectations were, I guess, going into the, into the weekend? Well, I mean, some of the specs, that thing was 135 horsepower, made about the same amount of torque. It was around 615 pounds, which they brought way down. I think they started around 850 pounds. So the thing had a carbon tank, carbon fairing, carbon bags, super trick. Yeah, it's kind of weird because you can't really lean them over that far. So that was kind of the first thing. All right, I'm going to go out. I'm going to lean it until something drags. So I have an idea of how far I can lean this thing. So we were kind of dragging the primary cover on the left side and then I'd lean over on the right and then drag the exhaust on the right. And that was pretty much as far as I could lean it, but they're super stable bikes. I mean, obviously they're like 12 feet long, so it's not like the thing's getting in crazy tank slappers or anything. (laughs) The brakes, it's just a big, heavy bike to stop, but there's a gigantic brake on the back too. So if you take advantage of all the brakes, you could really get that thing stopped in a hurry and and then the more you use that rear brake, well, then all of a sudden I'm starting to slide this thing around like a road racer or a dirt tracker. So before it was all said and done, I was backing the thing into the corkscrew just like I would have on a 600 or a superbike. So pretty cool feeling. It's it's kind of slow motion when it's doing it. But hey, if you're if you're sliding a big old bike around like that, you, you got to be going fast. Yeah, it was it was an impressive display out there by all the racers, Corey. So kudos to you guys for getting out there and doing it. There were some great names in the racing. I foresee that if it goes as a series, it probably would get a little more serious as racers are wont to do, right? Uh, it's Everything was fun in games and a couple of other race classes I can think of until it wasn't. So I have to believe a race will develop if uh, you guys get a series out of it or if anyone does, right? Absolutely. I mean, as soon as they blew all the horns and we were getting ready to go out for the the main event on Saturday. I pulled up next to Hayden Gillum. He was riding the Vance and Hines Harley and we haven't been road racing. I mean, he got the race last year. I didn't, but we've all just kind of been sitting on the couch at home watching all these races. And so now we're finally back at Laguna. We're back on the road race track. We're wearing leathers again. I pull up next to him and I look at him. We're both on these baggers. And I just looked at him and I said, what the hell are we doing? (laughs) And he just kind of shook his head and shrugged his shoulders. He's like, well, we still got to go racing. Yeah, apparently we're addicted to this is the realization (laughs) you guys had to come to there on the starting line. Apparently we will do anything to race. And at least it's not mini bikes currently. That's what I kept telling people. They're like, what's it like riding that thing? I'm like, it's kind of like racing mini bikes, but they're mega bikes. Yeah, it was it was just it was super cool. And the vibe seemed really cool. Like you said, uh, it's it was showing all the things that are really awesome about racing. And I'm sure you guys just had a ball doing it. Congrats again to you. It, it wasn't so much about results this weekend, I don't think. But if that becomes a series, then I foresee everyone taking it the next level. And I'd love to see it. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, all the teams that got involved for this very first race, I don't think any of them took it lightly. I mean, these guys have been working on these bikes for quite a while. Just the amount of performance parts that they put on the bikes, I mean, they weren't messing around. They knew this was going to be a race, and everyone's got some pride and some ego, and they're wanting to pump their own aftermarket companies. So Alex Fox at Sly Fox, he built a really good bike, and I was just fortunate enough that he called me to, to come ride it. 
Well, congrats again, Corey. We look forward to seeing more of you. I can't wait to see what the the next level is for your business, really. Congratulations on that. It's You found a way to uh, keep motorcycling in your life where it doesn't cost you every penny. It brings you a couple. So cheers to you for that, man. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Is there anybody you want to say thanks to as we're wrapping up and running out of time? Oh, just everyone that uh, keeps the ball rolling for me. I've got some personal sponsors with Motul, Arai Helmets, CD Boots, RS Tai Chi Leathers. They also make adventure gear. So those guys definitely keep me wearing nice stuff. My girlfriend, she supports me, Patricia Fernandez. And then uh, those guys at Sly Fox, I got to thank them a lot for, for letting me be a part of the very, very first King of the Baggers event. Right on, and congrats to you and your lady again for your results. Uh, that was an impressive uh, stat, and we hope you get to go racing more with her. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Racing's always fun. This week's Pit Pass trivia question was, name the first motorcyclist to hold the outright land speed record, name the rider, and the year. The answer, of course, is one Glenn Curtis in 1907. Yes, that Glenn Curtis, the one of airplane fame, right, Dave? That is absolutely correct, and uh, believe it or not, the engine in his uh, motorcycle was a 4,000cc V8, which was an air-cooled... 40 horsepower dirigible engine is what it was originally designed for. 40 horsepower out of 4,000 cc's, it just boggles the mind. Yeah, on uh, period tires that were, in fact, bicycle tires. No, no other way to describe them, using probably a leather belt to move it around. Impressive. Uh, the courage, when you think of it in those terms, 40 horsepower is no joke. I mean, that is a lot of power we sell a lot of things at my dealership 40 horsepower is a that's a gateway you can go pretty much anywhere on anything and they were doing it in 1907 apparently yes and that record stood until 1930 so he held that record for a long time and uh it's interesting you mentioned bicycles because the lineage continues on and uh glenn curtis is obviously the like you said the aircraft guru at the time and he started his own company and produced more airplanes than any other company in the world in World War One. So 10,000 aircraft came out of his factory and he went on to form Curtis Wright Aviation with the Wright brothers who, as everybody knows, if you read history, the Wright brothers originally built bicycles before they got into uh, experimenting with airplanes. So you could see back then, I think there was a lot of that uh, mad scientist and a lot of people and, uh, you know, Glenn Curtis was able to turn that into a, um, a world record. So there you go. Yep. Bicycles continue to be at the core of a lot of motorcycle stuff. The The wave to electric bikes is clearly led by e-bicycles, and they're going to lead the way into, a, I'm sure, ultimately electric full-size motorcycles that we're already seeing some of. It's just clear there's crossover there. It's interesting. Bicycles continue to be part and parcel of the motorcycle world. In upcoming news, this, uh, well, it's a couple weeks from now. It's not immediately, but November 8th, we're going to have another MotoGP race, De Europa, they're calling it. That will also be in Spain at the Circuito Ricardo Tormo. Looking forward to that race. 
seeing who is able to put any kind of uh, stamp on that title that is yet to be decided. Seems so wide open with three races left. What do we got going in the off-road world, Dave? We have coming up in MXGP the final three rounds, which are all taking place at the same facility. Economy of scale continues on in Trentino, Italy. That'll be October 31st. It starts and it'll be three rounds followed. So some uh, closing out of the season and uh, hopefully see some championships wrapped up. Thank you again to Corey West for joining us today on Pit Pass, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. If you have a moment, please rate and review us as well. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our all-new blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson. Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave. And I'm PJ. And we'll see you next week. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.